Hello, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Lemons. Welcome to Leaders on Leadership, brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. The purpose of our podcast is to share the stories of the people and the forces that have shaped leaders in higher education and to learn more about their thoughts on leadership in the academy. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Kathy Wilson-Humphrey. Kathy has more than 35 years of experience in higher education and currently serves as the 11th president of Carlo University. Kathy, who was a Pell eligible student herself, is passionate about helping students from all walks of life gain access to higher education. She's been recognized for her work in the academy and has received numerous awards, including Courier's Women of Excellence Award, the YWCA Tribute to Women Leadership Award, and the Martin Luther King Jr. Creating a Just Community Award. Not only that, Kathy is also has an award named after her. The International Student Federation of St. Louis University named the organization's diversity award, the Kathy W. Humphrey Award for Diversity. Kathy earned her undergraduate degree from the University of Central Missouri, her master's from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and her PhD in educational leadership at St. Louis University. Kathy is a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Kathy, I am delighted to have this chance to visit with you. We are both um, Pell eligible kids from the Midwest. Um, both of us um, began our careers in, 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 uh, in, in residence life in higher education. Right. Um, both of us had most unexpected careers and we had this wonderful intersection of our lives several years ago when we had the privilege of working with the Carlo University Board of Trustees in a search in which you emerged um, and moved a few, well, maybe you didn't even move, I don't know. Um, uh, you you changed work locations, having left um, a, a very senior executive vice presidency at the University of Pittsburgh. And I know you are doing great things there. I just wanna say welcome to you, Kathy. Thank you, Jane. It's always good to see you and work with you and be with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you for making time during August, one of the busiest and um, uh, most cruel uh, months of the year, as uh, uh, has been uh, noted by um, Ian Forster. So one of our goals is to really ask leaders to step back, to reflect, think about your own pathway to leadership with a hope um, that some of your story may resonate and inspire others. And so, Kathy, I just want to invite you to share with our listeners some of the people or events or opportunities that helped to discern for you this pathway in higher education and to help you to become the extraordinary leader that you are. So, you know, Jay, I when, when I reflect on this question, I really begin to think about um, all of the people that were so instrumental in my life uh, that really helped me to really have a good um, image of who I am. And they, um, it's not enough to believe who you are. When people reflect what you believe who you are back to you in very constructive ways and give you really good feedback. I'm, I'm thinking about um, one of my mentors who, um, you know, when I was in graduate school, who said to me, uh, Kathy, 
get the PhD, spend a little bit more time and get the PhD as opposed to the EDD, because I was really considering the EDD because I thought, why not get the EDD? I have to take a few less classes. It will be a little less time. And, you know, her advice to me was crucial because uh, it, it, it's, it was a time and space where you, at the time, you don't really know what it's going to mean. And later in your life, because you had that mentorship, because you had that guidance, because you had people who believed in you, you believed that you could do greater things. And, and I think that as leaders, one of our responsibility is to give other people that courage. Uh, and because that courage is really what makes others step up to the plate and say, I'm willing to lead when others won't uh, lead. So I think the fact that the mentors in my life who gave me courage, and that really started from, from my family, from my parents, uh, who, who gave me uh, courage and to, um, to start on a pathway to looking up saying, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. Uh, and then believing that I could and to start getting the kind of advice that would start walking me in that direction. Wonderful, wonderful. So tell us about where you grew up. Sure. So I'm, I, uh, Jay, as, as you shared, I, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the Show Me State of Missouri. And uh, uh, so I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. And I grew up, uh, at a time where um, the Civil Rights Act uh, had just been passed and, uh, and the world was still very much in transition. And I was a part of actually one of the first desegregation programs, uh, I believe, in Missouri. So the children on my block uh, on my side of the street, actually, not even across the street, were bussed out to the white neighborhoods. And from a very early age, uh, I had to learn how to maneuver a different culture. Uh, I lived in one culture mm -hmm. during the during the day and the and. Uh, during the weekends, I lived in a very different culture uh, during the, the school day. And so th that was really my beginning. And, and you know, when, when I think about um, uh, gaining courage and strength and wherewithal, um, I, I can recall telling my parents, you know, the children really don't play with me because I was the only black girl in class. And my parents, I, I, I heard them making the decision that I was going to stay. And at the time, I got to tell you, it was tough. <laughs> but it was a good decision uh, for my life because it gave me so many of the skills that I have today as I think back to kindergarten, right? And one of those, one of those skills was is there was a wall, Jay, and um, I sat on that wall during recess every day and uh, I had to learn how to get off the wall. And, you know, oftentimes in leadership, you can sit there and let things occur or you can make a decision. You're going to get off the wall and you're going to engage and you're going to do some things that make other people a little bit uncomfortable, but you'll help them get comfortable. And, and that's what we do. We help people get comfortable with doing things that they're not comfortable doing. And so when I think about that experience and those uh, from an early age, 
um, how powerful, impactful that was. Then, you know, from there went on and became a, uh, became a student leader, became a resident assistant. I tell people even to this day, I'm just a supersized RA. That's really what I still am at this point in time, <laughs> the supersized RA. And, um, you know, getting uh, mentors at that point in higher education and being turned on to the fact that I could make a difference in this space and in this place. And, and young people have always been my calling They've always been what I believe God has has uh, placed me on the planet to do, and so uh, so the continuation of that from undergraduate to graduate schools to working in student affairs to moving from student affairs to working in a horizontal position uh, at at the University of Pittsburgh and to and to this day to uh, to work at Carlo University. It's been it's been a wonderful journey. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. And, and um, um, you are without doubt an educator um, uh, at, at, at root and, and at heart. Um, I see that and I know that, and I know that that presence of, uh, of being a supersize RA um, is, is an extraordinary gift to Carlo as it has been to the other institutions that you've served. So thank you for answering that call. Yes. Um, you know, one of the questions I like to explore with people is what in your mind makes or constitutes a good leader? And and by good, I want to be clear. I don't mean, you know, good is um, a bit above average or grade B. I mean, good, mm-hmm. virtuous, effective, mm-hmm. and successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think about all the books that I have read on leadership, and I think about the characteristics that many of them talk about uh, as being a good leader. But ultimately, for me, a good leader uh, is someone who really is going to uh, inspire a group of individuals to do something much greater than they ever dreamed or imagined that they could do. And so I I think a good leader is indeed, uh, understands that they are never uh, in a monolithic situation where it's really all about them. You know, a, a good leader in my mind understands that indeed they are a servant leader. You know, oftentimes uh, when I introduce myself, I always introduce myself as I serve at. I serve as the president of Carlo University. I am not the president. I serve as because that is a reminder to me that I am in service to and my work is not about me. My work is about making the places where I stand greater and better. And my commitment to it is really about making sure that things transcend me, that they are better than I am, that that I can look back at it when I left at it and feel very proud that it's able to sustain itself without me. Uh, As a matter of fact, one of the ways I know that my work is completed at a place is that I I try to determine, or are they ready to sustain this work without me? And uh, and I try to examine that 
before I began to think about exiting? Have I have I done enough here that has changed it? Uh, and that's because that's what I believe a leader should be. A leader should be a person who is willing to come in and really give up the totality of themselves to trans to transform uh, whatever they are working with to a point where it is better, where it can survive and where it can stand uh, without them. Yes, and in some ways it's about impacting or altering or changing a culture. Um, You can make a splash and the ripples are gone, but to sustain Chain to to see sustained change come to a place is the real mark of leadership, isn't it? Yes, I really believe so. You know, I say I say to my team all the time. I said, you know, when I'm in heaven and I'm with Jesus, I want to say, Jesus, look at Carlo, look at them, look how they're thriving, look at what they're doing down there, because that's more important to me than just the everyday. Did we do something that made an everlasting impact on that space, on that place that helps them to sustain and continue their growth? Fabulous, fabulous. So you just mentioned your team and you also made this wonderful distinction about I serve as the president, um, not I am the president. I also am a big believer in the difference between the president and the presidency. And the presidency has many strands, but one of those most vital ones is the team around you, the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear you talk about what you look for in the leaders that are a part of your team. Those people who help to define that strand of the Kathy Humphreys presidency at Carl. Yeah, so it's so interesting because, you know, Jay, it's really different what I look for today than what I've looked for in the past. Interesting. Say more. And, and, you know, in the past, oftentimes I really looked for, and I guess I still somewhat still look for, is people who really complemented my skill set. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because I, I am not, I, I am a working president. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I am one who will who will um, who will jump into a situation as deep as I need to until they are ready for me to come out and stand on their own if need be. And what and uh, because of that, now I really look for people who are not just a compliment to me. I look for people who are substantially uh, better and have uh, uh, expertise in their area where they really become the leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, my, my team is not an extension of me. Uh, my team are all um, independent leaders who we collectively are driving the institution forward. And I'm looking for someone uh, who is as passionate about their area as I am about the institution. I, I am also looking for someone who understands that 
when you come to work with me, you have more responsibilities than your piece of the puzzle. You are not just the leader of your area. You are a leader of this entire institution. And I want you to know enough that if I walk out that door, you could run this institution. That's what I'm looking for. I'm constantly looking for people who I believe literally have the talent and the expertise and the passion and the passion, because the passion is really important to me to really drive their areas to a, a, a level of expertise that will really help us run and thrive together. You know, oftentimes when, when I am in a staff meeting, I, um, I, there's the, the truth of the matter is rarely do I ask questions that I don't know the answer to or have some idea. This is what we need to do. But I ask questions that I have the answers to because I have come to learn over time that sometimes my answers are not quite right. And I need a team that are strong enough to be able to even battle with me because they're passionate enough about their position. So I'm not looking for people who just are, are just, um, are going to say what I want them to say. I don't, I don't need that because I'm confident on my own. I can say what I want to say and I'm strong enough to carry it on my own. I'm looking for people that, that respectfully challenge my thinking so that we end up with the best product, the best procedure, the best program we possibly can have. Amen. Amen. Um, that's a, that's a fabulous um, um, uh, outline and, good things to, to think about. And it makes me think about those who tune into our programs, the people coming through our ALI programs and others who aspire to leadership. Um, what's your advice for them? Yeah. You know, one thing I'm going to, I will say to, to even people who are considering uh, becoming a university president and, you know, oftentimes people say that to me now, you know, Jay, I, I would like to be a university president. And my response to them is, why? Because this job is not for the faint nor the weak. And, it, and I say to them, your why better be well intact. And your why better be uh, well-intentioned. Because the fact that you want to do it, the fact that you think you can do it is not enough to sustain you. Uh, you have to have something that underlines the desire to step into the role that literally is going to give you the foundation that you're going to use to maneuver the world with as you get blown and tossed in, in the position. And so that would be the first thing I would say is I would say, recommit to your why. And keep your why in front of you because your why is what helps to sustain us on a daily basis. You know, my why is I came to an institution that I knew 40% of those students were going to be Pell eligible. They were coming from economically challenged families. And because I come to work to, uh, every single day, those students have an opportunity to become something greater than they are, greater than their families. And for me, the crowning moment of every year so far has been that when I say at graduation, if you're the first person in your family to graduate, stand, and such a large percentage of my students stand up, it's my why. 
And it's what's in my brain. It's what I recall when I'm dealing with craziness, when I'm dealing with the next problem of the day, when the pipes burst and I've got to empty a building and find a place for, you know, scads of students to live for, for weeks. So when I, you know, when they're, when I'm concerned about our finances, it's the why that uh, sustains me and says, keep pushing, keep dreaming, keep believing, keep trusting that you are going to be able to move uh, that institution to a better place, a stronger place. And <laughs> the other thing I would say to them is that this job is too big to try to hang on to it by yourself. You need some kind of power um, that's stronger than you, that will sustain you, that will enable you and steady you um, as you move through uh, this position that oftentimes you stand all by yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've got to know that while you're standing all by yourself, there is something that you're leaning on for support uh, as you stand there alone, making the decision that you believe that is the right decision to make. Uh, because at the end of the day, it is up to you, but you can do it if you do that. And then I guess the other thing I would say that I never have said probably in any other job that I am is make sure you get enough rest uh, because you physically have to have the kind of energy that you need to keep the entire place energized. And if you're tired, then the place is going to become tired. If you're weary, your team is going to become weary. So you need enough energy and enough strength to continue to go. So make sure you're getting enough rest uh, to sustain the type of energy that you really need to make a difference. Thank you for that. Um, really wise and important insights and, and words. Um, why do you want to be a leader? Low and understand your why. Um, I, I really deeply appreciate that. You know, Kathy, I, I have um, actually um, a very dear uncle um, who's a, a skilled psychologist who um, always, he has a whole theory um, that I won't get into, but one of his parallels is um, he contrasts intensity with passion. Mm. And a presidency is intense for certain. Mm -hmm. um, he believes, Dr. Jim Lemon says, that intensity um, is consumable and, um, and you cannot sustain it. But passion, he believes, mm. is renewable. And being in your presence, in the many times that I have been in your presence, that passion is in abundance. And I'd, I'd, li I'd like to just hear you reflect a little bit about what the connection is between your why and that renewable source of energy um, that, that, that comes with your passion. You know, I, you know, it's, it's funny because um, the, my least favorite time of the year, uh, Jay, is summer. I don't like summer. <laughs> I don't like summer because uh, the students are not here. And yeah. uh, I have learned over time that I literally feed off of them. 
They don't know that I'm feeding off of them, but I literally feed off of their energy, their insight, what they think. Uh, you know, when I, I never ride the elevator and don't do a focus group. I, I'm always doing a focus group in the elevator, right? And, uh, uh, and I'm always trying to learn, you know, and, and I think the learning uh, fuels that passion as well, right? And so yeah. once, once a week, I try to go to the dining halls and sit down with random students and, and, and learn and gleam from them. And the thing I love about higher education is there's so much hope here. You know, you, 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 when you get and you work with older people and not really older people, cause I see this in senior citizens as well, but, uh, but some kind of way hope leaves yeah. and they get into the drudgery of life and, and, and they are in some kind of competitive state of just survival, but on mm -hmm. a college campus, these young people are these, uh, uh, and not even the young people, but also the young people, but even the graduate student, there's an element of hope that uh, you see that they are reaching for. And because you see it every day, uh, you can't help but to be fueled by the fact that um, their hope is my hope. And I would say that has a lot to do with my own uh, with my own uh, renewable energy. The, the other thing is that, you know, on a, a, a day, and, you, and I've already spoke to this a little bit, so you know that I'm a woman of faith, but I, uh, I, I spend every morning renewing, every morning. Every morning I take some time and I connect with my ultimate power source. I don't think that I could do this without it. Uh, I know other people are able to, but I just, that's why I say you, 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 you better have some way that you're renewing. I know some people do yoga. Some do people do other kinds of meditation. Some people run five miles, uh, you know, and, and that renews them and refreshes them. But every day I spend time, you know, in, in my own devotion, in my own renewing of my own self with my own, with my God and uh, and I am refocusing myself on a constant basis that way. So between the energy of the student, the energy of my faith, uh, the energy of my own family, I'm a grandmother now, Jay. Whoa! <laughs> congratulations. And and watching that little person uh, and the development of that little person and knowing that I have all. Uh, these very important lives in my hand. And I, I bring him up because he is a reminder to me that we have people's children in our hands. And, and that that is energizing for me uh, as well. Thank you. That, that, was, that was really beautiful. And I really appreciate your willingness to share. Um, so I'm going to move into what I call a little bit more of a lightning round. Shorter questions, you can answer as long as you want. Okay. Who's been the greatest influence on your life? Yes, that, you know, um, gosh, it's so hard for me to come with a, up with one person. Uh, but, you know, you know, I'm going to I'm going to say that um, my parents. Mm -hmm. um, and because, you know, you know, when, when, you know, my parents, um, two generations from slavery. Yeah. Um, actually three generations from slavery and uh, uh, 
people who were able to sustain Jim Crow, people who moved me from, uh, made sure I, we left the South, the family left the South to move to the Midwest in hopes for an education for their children. Uh, these, these are the people who made this, the greatest sacrifices. I remember my senior year in college, my mother, we didn't know how we were gonna get my senior year paid for. And my mother said, you know, if I've got to scrub floors, you'll finish. And, uh, you know, when you think about that person uh, yeah. who, who was willing to make that kind of sacrifice uh, yeah. for you to stand up and yeah. uh, for you to become. Uh, and some uh, these people who said to me, you, you can do this. And uh, the, those are the people probably who had the biggest impact on my life because when they should have had no hope, uh, they had hope and aspirations uh, for me. And I'm living on that today. My mom, um, the week that my mom died, uh, she said to me, um, Kathy, how long before you finish your PhD? And and because this is something that no one had done in my family. And, and uh, I, I said, oh, mom, you know, it's not like you don't get to decide when you're done with your PhD. They tell you when you're done, right? And uh, so I said, oh, mom, it's going to be a while. And my mom died that week. And I often think if I had just said, I'm going to, it's going to happen soon. She would have stayed <laughs> because it was something that was so important to her yeah. uh, that I had attempted to do something that re we really didn't know very much about. And so when I think about who has really made the most impact on me, um, it is my, it is my, it is my parents. Yeah. And, but I have had many mentors, Jay, who have impacted the direction of my life and all of them all of them have had such a big impact on either helping me to decide which way to go or helping me to see what more I could aspire to or dream about or become or be. Uh, so I, I, it's hard for me to say one, but if yeah. I had to say one, I'd, I'd have to collectively say my parents. Well, um, that's one of life's greatest blessings to be able yes. to reflect and say that. Um, yes. And um, thank you for, for that as well. Is there a book that's had the greatest influence on you? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought about that question a lot and I think what is, what book have I relied on other than the Bible? Have I relied on professionally? And I have to tell you, Probably my legal higher education law books changed my life the most because they have helped me. They have dictated on many accounts whether I'm going to do what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do, what I'm going to try and what I'm not going to try. And, and I, there, there are a lot of authors. I, I mean, I, there are a lot of people who I can say, you know, I, I am a Greenleaf fan. You know, uh, I do believe in some of the concepts of good to great, you know, with Jim Collins. I, there, there are a ton of books. I love, love, love Malcolm Gladwell, right? But, but the, rea the reality is if I really think about, um, I really think about it, uh, that one course, those textbooks, uh, that, that that's the only textbooks that I keep with me. 
actually. Oh, interesting. And, and, and refer back to from time to time when I am concerned about something or to know what's the greatest ne next uh, case law that I need to be concerned about because that's my everyday. That, mm -hmm. That's my everyday life is to try to make sure we stay out of danger. You know, that is one of the biggest jobs of the presidency is to keep the institution safe. Yeah. Right. And that's not just physically safe. That's financially safe as well. So uh, decisions that I make, uh, are they well grounded? And I'm fortunate enough to have the good legal counsel of Dot Davis, but uh, it's nice to know uh, some things uh, for yourself. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate the mention of Dot Davis, um, uh, former chair of the board and chair of the search committee that brought um, on, on you across town um, from right. to, to Carlo and, um, uh, and, and truly um, uh, an exceptional exemplar of all that Carlo can provide to students and her own. Um, uh, yes, day and time. And absolutely. She's, what, a true, what, what a, she's a true, uh, true asset to this institution. And I'm so grateful for her and our current board uh, chair, uh, Brian, who you also know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, both of them, their commitment to the institution uh, is just outstanding. And I am grateful to be a partner with them. Yeah, yeah. Kathy, is there a fondest memory from your undergraduate days at Central Missouri? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, um, <laughs> so, so, I, so I was an RA and, uh, and, and I became, I was an RA out of necessity. I needed to, to help fund my education. And, yeah. but I, I will tell you, being an RA, probably, if I look back on my life as a young person, probably was that position that really absolutely started my career, but it also really helped me to really know what I was called to do and uh, to be able to really support students and to get that bug, right? And so... Uh, being a resident assistant was a fun time for me. And uh, I remember once I was in a department store and, and a woman was yelling at me uh, at the store and she was saying, you know, remember you were my RA. And, uh, you know, the, the sense of being somebody's, my. Uh, and having that connection and making that connection for them to the institution uh, was the beginning for me. And so, so that's one of my, that's one of my, <laughs> that's one of my fond memories uh, of, yeah. of Central Missouri State's uh, of my beginning and uh, my start to understand um, what my purpose on the planet was really all about. I love it. Well, and as you, uh, as as I've already said, um, that's exactly where I found my why and my purpose as well. Um, right, and right. Uh, uh, how about traditions? I'd love to hear you share maybe your favorite campus tradition at a place you've attended or served. Well, um, it's interesting we're talking about this because I'm thinking about that a great deal at Kylo because I would like to create more uh, traditions here. I mean, I love all the formal ceremonies. Those of course are, are um, uh, wonderful treats for me because they usually signify the success of the students, right? Um, but you know, um, uh, 
Pitt has a tradition that that I'm really thinking about how I'm going to create here, where mm-hmm. when a team wins, they light the top of the cathedral, and they signify to the entire city that success has reigned here. And so I'm thinking about that. You know, what's going to be our signal that says to the community, success is reigning here. Uh, and I think those kinds of traditions are really really, really important. Um, Something that I have started here that uh, others do is um, we have an event we call um, uh, Pizza with the President and I shut down one of the pizza shops and I meet all the students there. And we we started at 9 p.m. That's what I mean, you need the energy. And, you know, to my surprise, I thought this would be something that only the undergraduates would uh, would enjoy. But I will tell you, even our graduate graduate students come uh, to that event. And what is it's not about for me, of course, it's not about the pizza. It's the gathering of the community. It's the connection that we make. It's me having the opportunity to physically touch their lives in a way that I don't get to during the day, but it gives me the opportunity. You know, one of the things I want those students to say uh, when they leave here is I know, I know Kathy Humphrey. I know the president of our university and, and it's beginning to happen, Jay, you know, uh, I would say that maybe 60% of the students that came across the stage didn't shake my hand. They hugged me. So, uh, and and that's important to me because it is a signal to me that indeed they know who I am and I'm not just a president or, you know, that, that runs their institutions, but I am a person who's connected to them and connected to, uh, their, their, their transformation. Well, that's that reciprocal energy, um, because we know your example, your energy, the warmth of your greetings, um, those hugs, um, whether on commencement stage or, uh, um, you know, on move-in day. Um, right. th- those are meaningful for, for our undergraduate students to be certain. So, That's right. wow. That's right. Hey, if you hadn't worked in higher ed, <laughs> the road not traveled, what might you have done? Well, you know, <laughs> I-, I was supposed to be a high school teacher. And I did that. And I did that for a minute, just a minute, though. But, you know, it's hard for me to think about life not in higher education because I just think it's such the match for me. And I thought, you know, I thought for one minute about going to corporate America. I thought, you know, I even interviewed for uh, a job uh, for corporate America once and just knew it was just wrong. It was just not who who I was supposed to be. And, you know, friends of mine would say, Kathy, you could make so much more money if you would leave higher education, right? And, and, and they're probably right. <laughs> they're probably right. But yeah. I, I do not think I would have the joy. Yeah. I do not think that I would have, you know, I don't think that I would have the satisfaction that I have from this work. Uh, yes, I could have easily been a salesperson, right? But I don't think I could have sustained it uh, for this long and yeah. think about continuing to do the work uh, because of what it gives back uh, to me. So, 
it's hard for me to to think about it. I did a, a stint even of um, of consulting and training and doing that across the country for other institutions of higher education. I did a stint of that. I enjoy that, uh, but but there's there's that the, what I didn't enjoy about that is that I couldn't see what my training literally was doing. I couldn't see the transformation ever occur or happen. And so that wasn't as um, as uh, fulfilling for me, even though it was something that I could do, enjoy doing, but it didn't give me the totality of it, um, uh, of the work that we get today. Yeah. Well, um, it's clearly um, uh, uh, a pathway that was defined for you early on. Um, and boy, you have you have made a great difference in the lives of many institutions and countless students. And you know, as we move towards uh, wrapping up this wonderful conversation, um, um, one of our traditions on leaders on leadership is to invite our guests to close by sharing with our listeners, if you will, the distinctive qualities or uh, maybe the organizational DNA that makes Carlo a very special place to you and helped you to discern that this was the place you were called to be at this time in your life. Absolutely. So, you know, Jay, you know that Carlo was created by the Sisters of Mercy. It was the first university that the Sisters of Mercy created in the States, actually. And it was created in 1929 by five gutsy women. And uh, if you think about this, it's 1929. We're in the middle of the depression, right? And these women have come to create an institution out of nothing, no resources, no facilities, no buildings, right? And they create it. And they create it to meet the next great need for Pittsburgh, right? Uh, And for me, that's work that we are committed to to this moment. We are committed to and what and, and it's what and it's what really drove me to walk from from a, a, a very resource rich institution to one that is challenged uh, in that regard. But because of the work that we do here, because 40% of our students are pale eligible, because 22% of our students are black, because our, of our commitment to social justice, because we, because we not only do our students talk about this mission of, of making the world more merciful and just, they are living it. Uh, they feed it back to us. Uh, we hear people say, you know, a nurse from Carlo is very different from a nurse from any other place. And we always know what is different about that Carlo nurse is her compassion, his compassion, his commitment to understanding that this you are not just a nurse. You have been called to work into the chaos of other people's lives because that's what mercy means, that you are willing to walk into the chaos of other people's lives and walk beside them until the chaos dissipates. And so I would say that's what we're doing here. And uh, that's what we are making uh, happen every single day. We are meeting the next great need. We made a decision to open an LPN program because while many universities wouldn't do that, we're meeting the next great need. And, and you know, 
We're opening it this fall and it is gangbuster enrollment because it's a need. We've made the decision to become the institution that really will care for foster students and, and, and homeless uh, young people. And we've committed to that and we are working to that end because it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our mission. It's a part of what we agree to be uh, in, in, in higher education. And so I'm ecstatic about that kind of work and that kind of commitment, not only just of me, but our faculty and our staff. And you know, we talk here about, we don't just care about these students, we love them. And we use that word love because it's an important word and it's a differentiator is that I can say to my students, when you come to Carlisle, I'm going to love you. And I'm not, and that means I'm going to do more than just care about what happens to you. I'm going to commit to you now and forevermore because you are a part of who we are. My goodness. Um, Sister Catherine McCauley must be beaming. <laughs> Imagining that Dr. Kathy Wilson Humphrey answered the call to be Carlos president and are bringing that energy and trying to live out and understand what are the needs of this day and this time. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on Leaders on Leadership. We're grateful to you and appreciate your sharing all that you have this morning. Absolutely. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to just reflect on that and to uh, hopefully be a light for somebody who's listening today. May it be so. Listeners, we welcome your suggestions and thoughts for leaders we should feature in upcoming segments. You can send those to leadershippodcast at academicsearch.org. You can find our podcast on the Academic Search website and wherever you find your podcasts. Leaders on Leadership is brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. Together, our mission is to support colleges and universities during times of transition and through leadership development activities that serve current and future generations of leaders in the academy. What a special joy it's been to have Kathy Wilson Humphrey with us on our show today. Again, Kathy, thank you for being with us and have a great day. You too now. Take care.